Good morning. How's everybody doing? The ranks are thinning. It always happens. Hey, let me pray and we're going to dive in so I can get you guys uh, with your group. Father, thank you for this morning, for a chance to get with other men and encourage each other. Thank you for your word, which doesn't leave us uh, with just each other. But it enters into our circles, an infinite word from a perfect, loving father who wants to shepherd our heart, who has a plan, who uh, is present with us, who is a loving father, and who is the example that we all need. And so I pray that we would learn from you, we would spur each other on, and that as a result of that, the next generation underneath us would be blessed. So use this morning, Father, to encourage our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're on week four, which is on parenting. Proverbs is uh, a book, as we have noted again and again, is the perfect book for somebody who grew up without a dad, somebody who grew up without a father. It's written for young men to be shepherded. All of us need to be continually parented. All of us, uh, especially those of us who were not raised by fathers who were raised with proverbial wisdom, need to be reparented. And so this book is all about the topic of parenting. Everything in Proverbs is to shepherd our heart. That's what fathers do. Uh, I'll make reference to Proverbs this morning, but since you've studied a lot of that this week your own, I want to give you some other stuff. There's a, a, a psalm, actually, that I think is useful to us this morning as we talk about uh, principles that will uh, help us as men that want to shepherd well the hearts among us. It's Psalm 127. It talks about the fact that, um, well, I'll just quote it to you. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. I'll just stop right there and make an observation. Children are given to us, as this, this psalm will say in just a moment, uh, by the Lord. We are stewards of the children. God, we are not owners of them. I have six children, but they are the Lord's, and I am God's provision for them. I am their biological father. That's a unique role that God gave me in their life that nobody else can ever play. And uh, I am accountable to God for it, but ultimately, those children are accountable to their heavenly father. I just don't want to be in the way. Let's be honest. There is nothing that can be as much of a blessing in a child's life as a godly parent, and there is nothing that can be a bigger burden in an individual's life than uh, a godless parent. The stories are legion of men and women that have influenced culture negatively that came from the burden of either absent or abusive dads. Madeline Murray O'Hare, the most famous atheist probably our country has um, uh, seen for decades, was, uh, uh, had an awful relationship with her, her parents. Voltaire, Nietzsche, Freud. I mean, I could go on and on and on. It is uh, not just a profile or a stereotype. It is proverbial fact that if you've got a daddy, uh, especially, um, or even a mama, I think a buddy was telling me yesterday about that Netflix show that's out right now about serial murderers, and they're going back. When the FBI was first trying to figure out what was going on with serial killers, one of the things they found out was going on again and again and again was uh, an unhealthy relationship, in that instance, with the mother, especially guys that went after women. Nothing that a father does or a mother does is ever an excuse for a child, but you can be sure of this. You will not be excused if you abandon your post. Some of you guys are still out there and 
um, maybe in your anger, maybe in your bitterness, maybe in your hurt, maybe in your pain, you are um, giving yourself permission or an excuse to act like a fool. And I'm going to tell you, godly or sinless, godless fathers are a fact. They are not a permission slip. But you don't want to be that godless father. That's why we're here. That's why we're studying this. Uh, but the Lord's got to show up. It's the Lord's work to build the house. And you'll labor in vain, okay, if uh, the Lord's not in it with you. But you must labor. That's what that first part of that proverb says. We should never expect that God's going to do something without our effort, but we should never expect that our effort will do anything if God's not involved. That is why the best thing that you can do for your kids is to intercede for them continually and pray. And you can be sure, no matter how much you love your kid, God loves him more. I tell um, parents that all the time who are heartbroken over godless children, you can be sure that God loves your kid more than you do. Just make sure you understand what a biblical picture of love looks like. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors. For the Lord gives to his beloved even in their sleep. You don't stay up all night fretting. That's God's job. You do what you're supposed to do during your waking hours. And, uh, and you trust your kids to the Lord. Now watch this. When we get to verse uh, three in verse four and five, this is what it says. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And then here's where we're going to spend most of our time. Okay. Uh, like hair, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about this. One of the ways you get the most out of the Bible is to stop to make observations, to interpret those observations, and then to make application. And so when it says that children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior, you don't wanna just blow by that. You just stop and ask yourself, okay, why does he use that metaphor? And so all I wanna do is just give you an example. You should sit down with your buddies and go, well, what do we know about arrows? And you go, not much, because we're not Indians, all right? And I would say, all right, let's just expand it. Uh, let's put ourselves back in that day and age. You gotta understand there were no guns then. I just did a uh, real truth real quick on uh, what's a biblical view of gun control laws. You ought to go check about that. And so you, well, there's not a lot of Bible uh, verses on guns because they weren't around. But there was all kinds of instruction about weapons. All kinds of instructions about individuals who put weapons in their hands. And I'm going to tell you, all of us know that kids can be a burden at times. Um, what they really are is a great responsibility. Any responsibility is a burden and an opportunity. And um, kids are a little bit different than guns because guns are amoral. Arrows are amoral. You know what I mean by that? Um, you put the word A in front of a word, it means uh, neutral or non, so... Um, an asexual creature is like an amoeba. It's not male or female, all right? Um, and so a gun is amoral. In and of itself, a gun doesn't kill anybody. People kill people. What you do with that gun is everything. That gun can be used for good or it can be used for evil. It's the same thing with arrows, all right? So here's some basic little observations. Number one, an arrow by itself is useless, it's just laying there on the floor. It can't do anything. I mean, you might trip and fall on it and nick yourself, 
All right, if you think about an arrowhead, not the arrows that we see in archery ranges that just have this little dull point on it, but like with an arrowhead, okay, but just laying there in the ground, it's not gonna do much. And children are a lot the same way, okay? Um, they're sitting there and they are waiting for instruction. I say they're not like guns because kids are not amoral. Kids have a morality, okay? Uh, your child's nature is corrupt. It is bent towards evil. It doesn't need you to nurture it. It needs you to interrupt it. Your kids don't need to be taught how to rebel. They need to taught that rebellion is not the way of life. How you shepherd a child's heart through their rebellion is gonna make a big, big difference. Have y'all ever seen that um, little chart, a uh, little chart? Uh, Perpendicular lines, on one side you've got uh, law, on the other side you've got love or you've got rule and relationship. And if you have, um, I'll, I'll say it to you this way, if you've got all love in your child's life and no law, okay, a lot of relationship but no rules, you will produce um, a child that is exasperated. We are told as dads in Ephesians 6, 4, right, uh, that we should not exasperate our children. And I think sometimes all we do is we think that we're exasperating our kids is um, if we um, have a bunch of uh, rules and no relationship. And so I want to tell you this, all law and no love will exasperate your child just as much as all uh, love and no law. We don't ever want to have grace and no truth. And we don't ever want to have truth and no grace. If you're a person who's got all law and no love, you're gonna have a rebel. If you've got all, uh, all, all love and no law, all law and no love leads to rebellion. All love and no law leads to wretchedness. Both of them will exasperate your child. And Proverbs warns us against both. So your child's nature needs to be interrupted, and it needs to be interrupted with a present loving daddy. But first observation about an arrow, okay? Arrows by themselves are useless. Secondly, it's the one who uses the arrow that ultimately determines its greatness, right? Um, you know, you put, um, you know, I, I think uh, there's all kinds of analogies that we could use with this. Like you put a, a knife in the hand of a gifted surgeon, and it becomes uh, a tool of great blessing to people. You put a knife in the hand uh, of a rapist, and it's trouble. Kids are like that. You give kids to a fool for a father, and it's trouble. You give all the potential that is locked up in a child to a godly man, and there's a good chance that that child is gonna be used as a means of great blessing to generations to come. So these arrows that you're given, parents, um, are filled with potential. It's up to you as a warrior to figure out what you're gonna do with it. If you are a, a marauder, an arrow can be a great burden to people. If you are a, uh, a defender of good, an arrow is a great blessing. Arrows, by and large, go where you aim it. That's your memory verse this week. That's the principle. Hey, arrows can ricochet off there can be a major wind gust that pushes them off the course that you aimed it, but arrows, by and large, go where you aim it. And so um, that is why we need to aim our children well, okay? That is why when they're young, we train up our child in the way that they should go. 
If they want to later deviate off of that, that is up to them. But we can't abandon our post. An arrow can provide life. It can provide food. It can provide protection. It can provide blessing. Or it can provide great pain and destruction. Um, let's just talk about some of that destruction, right? Proverbs chapter 10 you know, verse one says, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. There is no pain like the pain of a godless child. There just isn't. And that is why, okay, listen, if somebody came into my house, and again, children aren't like guns. Children are not amoral. They are immoral, okay? They are selfish. They are capricious. They are wanton. They are not naturally disciplined. And, uh, and so you don't just let them be. You have to be present like a daddy. That's your job. I'll give you uh, just some real basic takeaways here in just a moment. But, but let me just say this again. If somebody comes into my house, right, and I have a gun that's laying there, uh, that gun's not a problem. But if any fool can pick it up, it's going to probably, you know, uh, somebody who's irresponsible can grab that gun and just be looking at it, not use it right, and fire it. And it's going to cause people. I didn't do anything. It was just laying there. But because I didn't tend to it, it became a great source of sadness to me, right? And by the way, I'm going to be held culpable for that gun if it wasn't locked and uh, kept away from irresponsible people. And if you just let your son be, he will be a great grief to you. Proverbs 15, 20, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish, uh, a foolish son, it, it, is, um, it, it creates great pain in mama too. It, it's, it despises, he despises his mother. And the idea there is this mother that shepherded him well. But arrows can provide blessing or they can be a great pain and a source of destruction. Um, a warrior, I would say to myself, who leaves his arrows unattended is, in fact, inviting destruction upon himself and his people. If you don't guard the armory and anybody else can pick it up and take it and use it, it's going to cause you really problems. Charles Manson, uh, some of the younger generation may not know who Manson is, but Manson was this um, homicidal maniac. He was, a, um, in effect, a cult leader that, that um, the thing that made Manson so incredibly unusual is that the, the people that he called from were not just vagabonds. They weren't just the down and outers. They were kids from incredibly wealthy uh, families, by and large. And this, this crazy um, guy absolutely had um, this amazing power over them and they asked Manson how he got these kids to follow him. And he said, that's easy. They were your kids. And you sent them out. You disregarded them. You were busy making your movies, uh, building your barns, or you know, developing your real estate fortunes. And you just left your kids unattended. And I took them in. And because I don't really care about your kids, I care about me. I used them for my own sick devices. They were your children. And you abandoned them. So I took them in. Um, arrows are a warrior's responsibility while he has them. It, it, your job, once you let that arrow go and you've aimed it well, um, is to sleep well. 
And like I said, if it wants to ricochet off, um, that's, that arrow, okay, and all that happens away from your bow is not gonna be your business. But the problem that most arrows have is not that they hit some unforeseeable thing in the distance, it's that the warrior that was given them doesn't handle them well. So let me just give you four things that dad's gotta do, all right? I've already talked to you about, we don't wanna exasperate our children, we don't wanna be individuals who, um, who have all law and no love. This is, Ephesians 6, 4 says this, fathers, do not provoke your child to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Let me say this to you, watch, this is dads, most of us dads, are gonna say at times, we struggle with anger, that there have been times that I brought about discipline with a lack of love. I, I, I've seen this again and again with my boys. There are times when we're messing around that I, I can be very, very, very physical with them. All right? I mean, I can pop them, I can tag them on the head, I can knock them over. I mean, I can hit them hard when we're jacking around. But if my kids see me get frustrated in my flesh, and I so much as grab their arm like I'm gonna squeeze it, and they see that what I'm doing right there is not because I care about them, but because they're embarrassing me or bothering me, they squeal like a stuck pig. And I exasperate them because there's a lot of law there, which is appropriate, but it's not done in love. When I, let me tell you, this is the way I disciplined my kids when I did it well. Uh, I would sit with them, and I would just go, hey, I didn't say we're gonna, you know, count to 10. If you don't listen now, you know, you're gonna be in trouble. I would, I would tell my kids, obedience was this, all right? Obedience is doing something right away, all the way, with a happy heart. Or, because we're Wagners, we said with a wag in your tail, all right? And you don't just do it, like, uh, with anger and bitterness, like pick up your shoes. You know, that's not obedience, and so we talked about how we did it. When my kids didn't do things well, and I took them, and without elevating, and I walked them over, I used to do this with my kids. I said, okay, let's just talk about what just happened. This takes time, by the way. The backhand takes no time. But when I would sit with my kids, and I'd say, hey, what just happened over there? What did we talk about? What are we learning right here about humility? Why do you think we asked you to do that? What was your response? What was the agreed upon consequence? Okay, when I would look at my kids and even when I would use corporal punishment with them when they were little, uh, by that I mean up to 24, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and I'd look them in the eye and I'd say to them, now here's what we're gonna do, all right? We're gonna get a whooping and when I'm done, you're gonna turn around and you're gonna say to me, Dad, thank you for loving me and for teaching me that foolishness or rebellion is gonna break my heart. And I could hit him hard, much harder than when I just grab him or backhand him in exasperation. It would always exasperate them when I had rule and no relationship, but when I walk them through and I do it and they see that I love them, I could whoop them, they'd be crying, and they'd say, Daddy, thank you for loving me. And it had very little to do with how hard I hit him. Now, I didn't do that so I could hit him harder but here's my point. I would exasperate my kids when I wouldn't be very uh, physical. I would just be using my voice and they would just go, man. I would also exasperate my kids when you let them go and you never discipline them. 
That's a great way to exasperate your child when you enable them, when you've got all love and no law, when you just want to be his buddy. Here's why. Because you're going to find out, your kid's going to find out later that that's not the way the world works. The world is not an enabling father. The world is not a helicopter mother. And it may take your kid, all right, uh, two or three marriages, two or three jobs, um, or running into the campus police before they realize they were not raised very well. And they will be exasperated that daddy never taught them that the world doesn't work the way that you modeled for them that works. I love um, this um, deal I, I read a long time ago. I think I brought a copy of it down here. Maybe I didn't. I might have left it. Uh, a, a buddy of mine um, wrote a deal. I guess I did bring it down here. Um, uh, about what the role of a dad is. And the role of a dad is not to be a buddy. You're a father, not their pal. You're a parent, okay? And so you need to lead them that way. Guys, so here, here's what I wanna give you. I'll just give you four quick things. Number one, you wanna have a plan. That's your arrow. Proverbs gives you a plan. That's what I love about this book. It's just so practical. If your plan is just to impart to your kid the wisdom that's in here, that's a good plan. Okay, but come up with a plan somewhere. Here's the truth. If most of us led our families the way we uh, ran our businesses with as little thought, as little um, uh, proactive um, uh, energy, with as little execution and accountability, we'd be fired on the spot. And I'm gonna tell you, there's no bigger job than being a parent. Because what's laying there in your house is the future. It is an opportunity to bless the nation and, and is an opportunity to create a burden on the nation. And the fact that most guys have no plan to build that house is why our country is in the condition that it's in. And by the way, if your plan is just to yell at it, okay, or just to love it and enable it, that's not a good plan. It will exasperate the child and it will ruin our future. And so you want to have relationship and rule. You want to have love and law. So you have a plan. Secondly, you have a presence. Okay, that arrow needs to be in direct relationship with that warrior. Um, and, uh, you know, one of my favorite shows as a kid was uh, The Rifleman with Lucas McCain. Some of you guys have no opportunity to see that except for TV land. But when there is a... You want to binge on a good little series, binge on Andy Griffith or binge on The Rifleman. Uh, Lucas became, and the way he handled that rifle, it was always there near him, and he put down evil and he raised up good. And uh, that thing was always there. That rifle was a blessing to the town that he was in. And you've got to have a presence with it. Guys that are good with guns, you ever see them work them? You always see those old westerns where guys, you know, and put that thing down there because they spent time with it. Okay, you've got to spend time with your arrow. Uh, my favorite little parenting proverb is must be present to win. I, I, I tell people this all the time, man. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And dad, just being there is half the battle. It's, it's, it's not all of it, but it's half of it. And so you're not, to, um, you know, you're not supposed to be the University of Phoenix as a daddy. Okay, <laughs> where it's just some online course. You want to be physically present. Uh, thirdly, be a parent. Be a parent, not a pal. Your, your job 
is to love them and get along with them. One of the problems, and one of the guys that I'm going to look at with my group a little bit later was Eli. Uh, in 1 Samuel, Eli was a priest. He was the leader of Israel. He had a couple of boys that were, uh, were fools. And this is, let me just read you this from Eli. 1 Samuel 2, 22 to 24. It says, now when Eli was very old and he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the woman who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting, he said to them, why do you do these things? These evil things I'm hearing from all the people. He's not present with them. He had to hear about it. But Eli was scared to lead his boys. My son, the report is, is not good what I hear the people talking about. That's a lot of love. There's no law. Like, don't do that. I don't want to hear about it. And then a chapter later, this is what it says in, in 1 Samuel 3.13. Look who gets in trouble. For I have told Eli, this is with the Lord, I have told him that I'm about to judge his house forever for the iniquity, iniquity which he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. So you gotta be a parent. Those are your guns, those are your arrows, warrior. And you can't leave them unattended. And then I'll just end with this, you know, um, so have a plan, right? Start, just do something, man. Okay, that's what's so great about you being here. You've got something to share with your kids. Um, and be present with your kid. It's not enough that you're here preparing. You've got to then be present with your child. And when you're present with your child and they don't want to learn, that's okay. You've got to be a creative teacher. You've got to figure out the right times to teach your kids. Okay? And you have that presence as a parent. And then fourthly, just the best thing that you can do is be a passionate follower of Christ. Now, passionate followers of Christ are going to have a plan they are going to have a presence and they're going to be an adult. And by the way, when your kids say, nobody else does this, that's exactly what the scripture says. You're to be aliens among them. If your kids aren't saying, why do you parent different than every other kid in my school? You should say, because, okay, or, or why do you parent the way no one else does? You say, because I'm not like everybody else. Not everybody else is consumed and concerned with um, what God is consumed and concerned with. And that is a blessing to you, son. And you can kick against the goats and rebel against it all you want. But I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna be present with you. I'm gonna model for you the glory of God's way. The greatest gift a man can give a child is the evidence of living himself in submission to the scriptures. Because the kids get to watch the blessing of that in your life. They watch the way you handle frustration. They watch the way they handle, uh, you handle fairy. They watch the way you love your wife. They watch the way you give generously. They watch the way you're not a slave to all that other dads are slaves to. And they're gonna see the blessing. Not right away. There's gonna be times they don't like what you're doing. But man, take the long view. You're building a house that doesn't go up overnight. Let God build it and let your son see the mansion of security and integrity and goodness that you built. But be a passionate follower of Christ. Um, we'll, we'll close with just a little bit of humor. One of my favorite things to do when I'm wasting a little bit of time, I don't always read the articles. All you gotta do is just read the headlines, but I'm gonna read this one article. The Babylon Bee, I commend it to you. All right, uh, there's an app, you can download it or you can figure out, just go to the site, and you can just read the headlines. The headlines are funny. Here was the headline, because it's a little parody account. And the headline is, after 12 years of quarterly attendance, parents are shocked by their daughter's lack of faith. Here's what the article said. Local father Trevor Mickelson, 48, and his wife Carrie are reeling after discovering that after 12 years of steadily taking their daughter Janie to church every Sunday, they didn't have a more pressing 
sporting commitment. Did you hear that? They were faithful in communing with the saints whenever there wasn't a more pressing sporting commitment, which was at least once every three months. She no longer now demonstrates this daughter the strong quarterly commitment to the faith that they raised her with now that she's in college. Trevor Mickelson was simply stunned at the revelation. I just don't understand it. Almost every single time there was a rained out game or a break between school and club seasons, we had Janie with her small group or at her church. It was at least once a quarter. We never missed an Easter. It was obviously a priority in our family. I just don't get where her spiritual apathy is coming from. I can't tell you how often we prayed the prayer of Jabez on the way to a game, added Janie's mother. You know, the more I think about it, the more this illustrates how the church just keeps failing this generation, said the dad. The Mickelsons further noted that they plan to have a chat with the pastor of their church after the younger son, Robert's soccer season, calms down a little bit. It's just a little bit silly, okay? But it's just funny how sometimes we as parents, we have this dismissive um, relationship with the Lord ourselves, and we wonder why our kids do. By the way, this is what I tell kids all the time, and I would apply this to right here. If you want your kids to grow up and not go to church, then you keep attending a church you secretly wish you weren't a part of. In other words, if you're bored, you can be sure your kids are bored. If that church isn't shepherding your heart and holding you accountable and playing the role that it should, you can be sure it's knocking to with your child. If it's not making a demonstrative difference in your life, if because of the community of saints, which you're a part, your life isn't radically different, if there aren't things in your life that can only be explained by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and your adherence to the gospel, and you're not a part of a community that is modeling that for you and calling you to it, then you best get out of that place. Because you can be sure your kids are watching. And that's a great line to ask your friends. Some of them have no idea what a biblical community looks like. You need to invite them to come and see. Some of them don't want to be around churches that call them to respond to the resurrection and the gospel. And you can be sure their kids won't, whether they're quarterly or every single week. Church isn't a week. Church is a people that is parented by a loving father who wants them to be a blessing and not a curse. And that's what we're about to meet, to spur each other on that way. The plan this morning is to be attentive to the Proverbs as it shepherds us as we're trying to be shepherds. Let's go, man. We'll see you. Have a great day.